Let's pray together. Father, just thank you for uh, the truth that was just sung and our hearts were reminded of that you are our rescuer, uh, that you have saved us from the greatest foe, and that is uh, sin and death. So may we uh, praise your name as a result. Now, Lord, we pray for our time in your word uh, that you would speak to our hearts and uh, change our lives as a result. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. There have, uh, there have been times in my life uh, where I've asked God uh, to speak to me. Maybe it was uh, a certain circumstance that I was stressed about or something where I really needed to hear the voice of God. Uh, so I did the, what, what I call the, the random Bible opening flop. Uh, have you ever done this before where you said, God, I just need you to speak to me and I'm just going to open the Bible and see what happens? And uh, there have been times where God has used that uh, to really speak to my heart, but then there are times where I, I landed on something that just didn't really have a whole lot of impact. Uh, well, there's a funny story about a man uh, who chose to do that random Bible flop opening uh, routine because uh, he needed to hear God speak to him. So he, he opens his Bible and he comes to the passage that says, uh, Judas hung himself by a tree. And he said, well, that can't be right. So he, he closes his Bible and he, he flops it open again. And then it says, go and do likewise. And uh, he realized maybe this isn't uh, the best method. So, so needless to say, we don't necessarily advocate uh, for that sort of studying of scriptures because much of the scriptures is, is very contextual. It's within a, a broader, beautiful story. But that is not necessarily true when it comes to the book of Proverbs. Now, if you've been with us, you'll know we, this summer we're looking at the wisdom literature in the Old Testament, and we've been spending some time in the book of Proverbs. And the first nine chapters have a good kind of narrative flow to them in the book of Proverbs. It talks about uh, the value and the beauty of wisdom. But then when you get uh, to chapter 10, the, the tone of the book changes, and the rest of the book is, is full of these things that we call Proverbs, these kind of short and, and pithy sayings uh, that express an idea in just a few words and often in very colorful and creative ways. Now, culturally, we use these, these proverbs all the time. Think about these cultural proverbs. A bird in hand is worth what? Two in the bush. Uh, early bird catches the worm. Uh, a penny saved is what? It's a penny earned. Or actions speak louder than words, right? We, we use these proverbs all the time. And, and we know that when we use them, we're not really talking about literal things, but we know them to be creative and sometimes even memorable ways uh, for us to communicate or to remind my hearts, our hearts of wisdom. And so the book of Proverbs is great for a, a quick study. It's good for kind of opening it, reading one little proverb and reflecting on it. But sometimes if you're reading the book uh, in bunches, it can feel a little haphazard or going all over the place when you get to the second half of this book, and it makes it really hard in some ways to preach on it, though, though I'm somewhat up for the challenge. But for the next couple weeks, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to take uh, themes or topics that are touched on all throughout the book of Proverbs. And what these sayings do is they, they revolve around some central themes. Uh, one is the power and the use of the tongue. Uh, one talks about the danger of wealth. Others talk about uh, uh, the value of hard work and, and being uh, aware of sloth or laziness. Uh, 
Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a couple of these topics, but the topic this week that I want to trace throughout these Proverbs is the topic of friendship. And I'd like to look at it really in, in three aspects. I want to look at the rarity of true friendship, uh, the value of true friendship, and then finally, the character of true friendship. But I want to start by looking at, uh, at the rarity of true friendship. Now, now, you might be sitting here and you might be thinking, well, I've got tons of friends. I've, I've got lots of people I know and lots of people that I'm connected with, and maybe you do. But I'm willing to bet that the friendship that is described here in the book of Proverbs, when you really dig into it, you would agree is incredibly rare in not only our own experience, but also incredibly rare in the culture and the society that we live in. I don't know if you've heard about this, but uh, in January of this year, uh, the UK uh, elected its first ever Minister of Loneliness. Did you hear about this? And it, it came out of a commission that was established uh, in 2017, I think is what it was. And uh, in that commission, they discovered that over 900 million residents of the UK said that they were lonely. And what the study also found was that uh, the epidemic of, of loneliness is just as hard on personal health as is smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And what they discovered is we need, to, we need to have someone to address this. Now, we all know that that's not just something that is true about the UK, but here in the United States, it comes as no surprise to us that loneliness is just as real. And when you think about it, never have we been more connected as a society, whether it's through internet or cell phones or social media or wherever it is, we've never been as more connected as a society as we are right now, and yet we have never been more lonely as a people. Uh, Comment Magazine is a magazine that I read uh, each month, and this month it gave its entire issue uh, to this epidemic of loneliness and, and the ideas surrounding social isolation. And, and what the, the, the articles uh, confirmed is that many of the values that we value in our culture, many of the, the cult- cultural initiatives that we appreciate as Americans, things like self-sufficiency and autonomy and independence, that a lot of those things have the negative side of sometimes isolating us socially, which gives birth to great loneliness. One of the articles said that loneliness is endemic of our times. It's everywhere in our villages, our towns, and our cities. It has no respect for age or for gender. So right off the bat, we recognize that loneliness is common in our culture, that true friendship, at least with what Proverbs is talking about, true friendship is incredibly rare, that most people live their lives never truly being known by another person and never truly knowing another person. It would be helpful at this point to define a little bit about what we mean when we use the word friend. And the love that comes in this sort of deep friendship. 
Uh, in Greek, they use a lot of different words for love, and, and the word for friendship is adelphos, or brotherly love. It's where you get uh, the name of the city Philadelphia from. And it's different from eros love, which is romantic love. It's different from agape love. It is something deeper and something unique. And of course, when the Proverbs talks about friendship, it's talking about something that is built on love and is deeper than what we often think about when we think about the idea of friendship. We often confuse it with things like acquaintances um, uh, or comrades or maybe drinking buddies, and it certainly is deeper than what we would call Facebook friends, right? The scriptures talk about the value of this. And it gives us at least one beautiful example of that in the Scriptures. Maybe the only example of it uh, in a relationship between David and Solomon, or David and Jonathan. And if you ever go back to First or First and Second Samuel, you'll read about the power of their friendship. Second Samuel says this: David speaking about his friend Jonathan, "Your love was wonderful to me, more than the love of a woman." That's the power of what the Bible talks about when it talks about deep and abiding friendship. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, many of us never experience this, and we wish that someone would enter into our lives to such a degree that it would dispel the loneliness that has become so common in our culture, because this is all around us. Studies have been done about the elderly population and the loneliness and social isolation that they feel. Studies have been done about teenagers who deal with loneliness, wondering if there is anyone whom they can truly be themselves around. Studies have been done about moms who have become lost in cartoons and carpools and diapers and who are very lonely in the midst of all those responsibilities. People have expressed deep loneliness even within the context of good marriages. And there have been studies that have been done about social or, or, or corporate executives who express their own loneliness as well. That everybody who wants to be their friend really just wants to climb the social ladder and use them to get ahead. Loneliness is everywhere. It is common. But the scriptures offer something to us, a picture of something that is much different and something that is much deeper, something that is of great substance to us that meets us in this great need. What the scriptures do is they highlight for us the value and the character of what true friendship is really about. And that's what I'd like to look at. First, the value of true friendship. Uh, If you've been reading culturally, we talk a lot about social capital. Uh, culturally a lot of times. And and when sociologists and, and cultural ethnographers look at all this sort of stuff, what they mean by social capital is they mean this web of relationships that we all participate in that brings about a good or healthy society. And what's interesting is that our culture talks all about this now, but it's really just a concept that the Bible has been talking about from the very beginning. Because the scriptures teach that a true friend has great value, both personally to each one of us, but also has great value for a society and for a culture. First, what we see is that a friend offers the value of truth. Listen to this proverb, Proverbs 27, 6. 
Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. What this proverb is telling us is that nothing sets a person apart as a true friend than when they are willing to speak truth into your life when that truth is necessary, even when they know that it may hurt in the process of telling that truth. Friends, I've been working with people for over 15, maybe even 20 years, and I can't tell you how rare this kind of friendship really is. And of course, we all get it. Nobody really enjoys saying hard things to other people, especially people that we love. We'd much rather be very affirming and encouraging all the time. It's easier just to try to please others with the words that we say. But we all know down deep that at the end of the day, sometimes hard things need to be said. Confrontation sometimes needs to happen. True things need to be said within the context of humility and grace. Listen to Proverbs 27.9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. And you see, because of this, because a true friend is willing to tell the truth, because of that, a friend also offers us the value of sanctification. Proverbs 27, 17 says this. You may have heard this one before. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. See, in the church, when we use this word sanctification, uh, what we mean is that's a real fancy word for just speaking about the journey that all believers are, are on when they enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the process that believers in Christ are on where our relationship with God grows deeper and deeper as we mature in our faith. It also becomes a process of repentance where where God often reveals over time the hard things about our lives, areas of sin that we need to turn from and run in the opposite direction. It's, It's this process where we grow deeper and deeper in our understanding of the gospel. And here's the key. One of the greatest tools that God gives us in, the pro- in this process of sanctification, one of the greatest tools that he gives us is each other. The community of faith is intended to be a community that aids one another in growing in our relationship with God. It's intended to be a community of spiritual friendship. I want to read a long quote to you that has a great metaphor uh, about this, uh, written by Jeff Reimer. He says this. He says, spiritual friendship makes sin less likely to thrive because friends are better at telling which of the plants you are cultivating in your spiritual garden are flowers and which are weeds. A true spiritual friend is willing to say you are being a complete behind. And there, your friend has helped you. I I edited that, by the way. Uh, You are being a complete behind. And there, your friend has helped you identify a weed. 
Maybe it's your sense of superiority or your martyr complex, which maybe you were cultivating as a flower. The friend, however, will go on and say, and I still love you. And in that moment, the weed withers just a little. Somebody has seen you for who you are, has seen your own self-deception, and still loves you. Your friend is participating with Christ in your sanctification. See, friends, we participate with Christ in the sanctification of one another through our spiritual friendships, and this brings tremendous value. Uh, Josiah Bancroft, maybe you've heard me tell this story before. Josiah Bancroft is an instructor uh, in, in the in Sonship uh, course that we uh, do here at City Church. And uh, he tells a story about one time uh, when a friend came to him and said, you know, Josiah, I think I need to talk to you about something. And he said, okay. He said, you know, I really think you're an angry person. And Josiah said, you're crazy. I, I, nobody's ever told me I'm angry before. I, I, I don't think you're right. And uh, he soaked on it for a little while, and he said, well, it's maybe at least worth exploring a little bit. So we started talking to several other friends. He said, you know, this friend told me I have an anger problem. Do you think I have an anger problem? And every one of his other friends said, oh, yeah, you have got an anger problem. And then finally, he had to deal with this thing that he didn't even realize that he had. But he would never have ever dealt with it or even recognized it because he was blind to it. And he would have remained blind to it until a few spiritual friends had stepped up and spoken truth to him. No one spoke the truth to him to bring him down or to beat him down. Instead, they spoke the truth to him in order to build him up. And friends, we are just like that. Every one of us has blind spots. We have things in our lives that we tend to be completely ignorant of. And often we are blindly headed down the path of carnage, not aware of what we're doing, whistling the whole time we are on our way. And the tragedy comes when all those things in our lives come to roost and all our supposed friends around us say, oh, I saw that coming, but nobody actually told us about it. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. So the question then becomes, how can you be faithful when it comes to loving others through saying hard things? And, and the reverse of that, how can you be more receptive to hard things when they are spoken to you in the context of spiritual friendship? So we've seen the rarity of it. We've seen uh, the value of it. Finally, the character of true friendship. And with that, I want to focus on one particular proverb. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. I would just want to take that first phrase, a friend loves at all times. The first thing you see, a friend loves. And what you realize is that the character of spiritual friendship is love. It is selfless love. You see, when we speak truth to one another, we're speaking not with the intent to harm others. A true friend doesn't tear us down in order to build themselves up. Instead, the motivation for all of it is love. It isn't arrogance. It isn't pride. It isn't one-upsmanship. 
But friends, love like this can be risky. It sometimes is risky to say these things to one another, to really be a true friend. And it always, when we're really doing it, it always requires a certain measure of selflessness. You see, people-pleasing, which is so common in our culture, is loving others for our benefit. But true friendship is loving others for their benefit. The other piece to this character you see is, is really loyalty. It is constancy. It is steadfastness. A friend loves at all times. A friend loves when, when life is convenient, and a friend loves when life is inconvenient. A friend loves when it is beneficial for them and when it isn't beneficial for them. A friend loves at all times. So you may be thinking, like I did this week when I was preparing this sermon, you may be thinking, wow, I'm not sure I really even have a friend like this. Do I have somebody like this in my life? If you're sitting there and you're thinking, wow, I really do have somebody like this, hold on and fight for that relationship because it is of tremendous value. But if you're sitting here and you're thinking, maybe I don't really have a friend like this, what am I supposed to do? Well, a few practical things. One, pray simply that the Father would give you one. But also recognize that in that prayer, which I believe that God delights to answer, that in that prayer, you need to be ready for what God gives you. Be ready for him to use that friend to sharpen you and not just affirm and encourage you. But here's the second suggestion. While you're waiting for God to provide that friend for you, be this kind of friend to another person. Sometimes we wait until God provides it before we be that to someone else. But the gospel calls us to be that friend to others. You see, friends, in many ways, this is what the community of faith is really intended to be. We throw that word community around a lot in church circles, and it's become almost a buzzword. Uh, It's become this nice word that we use all the time. But what we really mean when we say community is this very thing. We believe that it is something deeper that God calls us to, That, that we ought to be a community that models these deep spiritual friendships both in our midst and models it to a world that is dealing with chronic and epidemic loneliness. Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection. But what it also means is that God calls you and I to develop deep friendships, not just with those inside the faith, but also with those outside of our faith. You see, evangelism, uh, apologetics, slick marketing tools and practices, they are all good things. But we all know that at the end of the day, it's deep friendships that make the difference in life. So pray that the Father gives you while you're waiting. Be the one that you want to be. Be this kind of friend to another. But finally, look to Christ. Look to Christ who it says in John 15, when Jesus is sitting around with all his disciples, he looks to them and he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. 
You see, Jesus is many things to us. He is our Savior. He is our Redeemer. He is our King. But we also get to call him friend. See, Jesus epitomized what this true friendship is really all about because his love was always characterized by selflessness. This gospel tells us that instead of glossing over our sin, he confronted it with his very own life. The gospel tells us that he sacrificially gave of himself all of it, motivated by love. He gave when it was convenient for him and certainly when it was inconvenient for him. He bore the wounds of friendship so that he could call us friends, so that we could be healed. Because of that, you and I can rest in his loyalty. We can rest in his constancy. We can rest in his steadfastness. Christ is our ultimate friend, and he calls us to reflect that friendship in relationship with others. And when we do, we discover what the ancient saying says, that friendship is the crown of life. It is the foretaste of heavenly unity. Let's pray.